Carolina? It's Carolina. Carolina. Where are you from? I am from Poland originally. From Poland? So where do you live at now? Uh, so I'm, right now I'm in Warsaw. I spend a lot of time in the UK, but I came back home because I kind of got ill. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, you popped up on my Instagram feed. I follow a lot of uh, carnivore people and I'm always interested in diets that help people. So I've talked to a lot of people that have done plant-based diets, carnivore diets, paleo diets, all of them. And I'm really intrigued and I love sharing the, the these stories with people and finding out what works, the tips and tricks, how they cook their food and all that good stuff. So what's been your 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 journey and, and how did you fall into the carnivore lifestyle? Okay. Um, so the journey was actually very complicated um, because, you know, most people who kind of went on the carnivore diet had this kind of trajectory that they were ill and then they got better. They wanted to, you know, lose on weight and then they lost weight. But for me, it wasn't that easy. So uh, my journey actually started with pharmaceuticals. So I was a healthy person. And then when I was 22, I had some irregularities in my periods, basically. And I went to see a gynecologist and he prescribed to me the oral birth control pill for that. Um, and then and I didn't realize at the time what was happening, but it gave me chronic migraines and also severe depression. So it started with that pill and nobody kind of realized because it all happened so gradually that nobody realized, you know, what was actually going on, including myself. Um, so I stayed on the pill and then I started looking for solutions for migraines, essentially. And, you know, at the beginning, well, you go to doctors, right? And I tried basically all the drugs that were available and none of them worked, which isn't very surprising if you consider that, you know, something that I was actively taking was giving me the pain right so nothing worked and um, then well two years went by of me trying kind of different substances and different ways of you know basically trying to cure my pain and then there was the pandemic um, so the pandemic happened I went back home and for whatever reason my pain uh, was very strong at the time so I started going to the hospital at a regular basis. I had like 30 migraines a month at that point. Um, yeah, I stopped taking the contraceptives, uh, at least the combined pill, because they switched it to the mini, mini pill at some point. So I stopped taking it, but I was in pain. And I think it was because of the painkillers, to be honest, because I was just taking so many of them for so long that, you know, in the end, it kind of ended up being that so um i started ended up uh, i started ending up at the hospital kind of on a regular basis which was extremely stressful um and uh, you know nothing kind of worked they were unable to offer me any treatment they were telling me you know you're gonna be like this forever you're gonna be in chronic pain and you will take painkillers for the rest of your life um so this is what happened and then i decided you know i'm actually going to do whatever it takes to get better. And uh, I heard of Jordan Peterson. So he's the one who kind of introduced me to the diet. And I had some food sensitivities myself. And I knew that he had them. And I thought, well, that's incredible that, you know, somebody like this exists because, um, yeah, because I just, I went through a lot, you know, in terms of like people kind of criticizing me uh, because of my food sensitivities. So it was really interesting to get to know um, that there is somebody like this as well. And then I heard he's on this insane diet, which is just beef. 
And I thought, well, okay, I've got nothing to lose. So I might just give it a go. And I did. And I had benefits from day one. Um, so I had a migraine developing because like I told you, I had 30 months. So obviously I had a migraine and it didn't develop the first day I went on the diet. So obviously, you know, I had this massive incentive to kind of stick to it. And I did. And I did try to kind of reintroduce foods and go back to eating, you know, kind of normal diet. But it was just, I mean, the results were catastrophic. So I stayed on it and I've been on it for around three years now. This podcast episode is brought to you by Signature Touch. Signature Touch is veteran owned and operated and it was started by my wife and myself with a mission to provide the highest quality all natural skincare products made from ethically sourced ingredients. We have body butters, lip balms, and deodorants. And the best part is you could use it on yourself and they're safe for everyone in the family, including your children. My wife's favorite body butter is Bernilla. It's made with bergamot and vanilla botanical extract. People say it smells like key lime pie. My favorite is Lavincense. It's made with lavender essential oil and frankincense. It makes your skin feel so nourished, but it's also good on bug bites and rashes. Check us out today. The website is OurSignatureTouch.com. Use code JLA to receive 10% off your first purchase. The website, it's OurSignatureTouch.com. That's remarkable. When you transitioned to the carnivore diet, were you still taking the uh, the birth control pills? Uh, yes, but it was the mini pill. So there is a difference because this one isn't with, uh, with um, estrogen. It's just progesterone. So it shouldn't have such negative side effects. Uh, but then I stopped taking it anyway. So yeah. at, at any point when you were in and out of the hospital, did any of the doctors ever toss out the idea of uh, the birth control causing any of these uh, symptoms that you were seeing? Literally never. And I went to so many neurologists. So many, I mean, the gynecologist, obviously, I went back to him. I told him I had those issues. He never noticed. And naturopaths as well. Because, you know, I was kind of always, you know, open-minded, sticking with naturopaths kind of on the side as well. None of them noticed. Oh, really? So not even the holistic doctors recommended not even birth them. control? Did they ask if you were taking birth control? But yeah, they knew. And oh, wow. Yeah. You know, I just had a conversation with a couple of holistic health uh, coaches, and we talked about uh, birth control and, and the side effects. And I'm surprised that these naturopathic doctors, were they older people? older doctors mm. were they young yeah I, yeah the one that i was going to was like 70 years old or something like this at the point so i'm not sure i mean it was also 2018 so things have changed since then a little bit so maybe right now she knows but back then she didn't yeah it's it's stunning the the idea of taking a birth control pill as a woman just the idea of it conceptually that you're going to take this thing and it's going to fundamentally change the way your body operates and not in just why you take it, but it, I think it has some uh, long lasting effects even when you get off of it. I don't know if you've looked into that or not. I haven't actually. And it's interesting that you would even say that because, you know, I didn't actually realize that I was fundamentally, like you said, changing the way my body was functioning. I was just like, okay, it's just a little bit of a hormone, Right. Like, what can it do? And what uh, can actually do a lot. So, yeah, no, I was completely unaware. It, you know, I, I think about birth control quite often because I have daughters, I have older daughters, and, yeah. you know, one's 15, one's 12. So, the idea or that 
that stage of life where traditionally you become that age and you get on birth control, right? That's just the normal thing in our society. But the more people I've talked to, like yourself, makes me realize that I don't want to put my daughters on birth control. There's some harmful effects that even if they don't see it, like you had an extreme reaction to them. Yeah. I still feel like there's some acute effects that aren't seen day to day. Mm -hmm. I think it's possible. Yes. I mean, I'm wondering, actually, because I know a lot of my friends are on it and they haven't had any side effects. And I'm kind of wondering, like, how come? And maybe there is something, but we just don't know yet. Um, yeah, honestly, there, I don't know. There has to be, right? There has to be something. It's it's stopping your body from producing hormones and the ability to get pregnant. That's that's pretty wild. Yeah. And do you think about our, our society um, I always have this conversation with my wife, but women and couples in general are getting married later and having kids later, but you're supposed to, I feel, I don't know. I'm an idiot. I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just talking here, but I feel like you're supposed to have kids, you know, at a, a young age. I don't know what that young age is. If it's 18, 20, uh -huh. you're, I, you're more, your body's more resilient at that age to have kids, healthy kids, um, and but now our society says that you have to wait and you have to go to school, you have to get a job and you have to do all these things before you can have kids. Have you ever thought about that or or put that in, mm -hmm. pers in perspective? Yes, I did think about that quite a lot. I'm not sure if I would connect it with the birth control pill. It definitely had some sort of an impact on women. But also, I would say, you know, the general narrative is kind of career is more important. There are more important things and you can wait, right? There is plenty of people who say that you can wait. You can do it when you're 40. You're not kind of under pressure. And I really don't think that's true. And I think, you know, I mean, if you want to have children, then, you know, kind of the earlier you do it, the better it is for you and for your children. And there is also a lot of people who I think worry about, you know, I don't have enough money, my life isn't figure, figured out. But to be honest, I genuinely doubt that you ever get to a point in life where you think, okay, now it's all figured out and I can do it, right? I don't yeah. think it works like that. Yeah. You know, uh, my wife and I were just talking about that the other day. Is I remember in like 2008 when I was working my first corporate job yeah. and looking at uh, my, my peers and they were making really good money at the time. And I just thought to myself at that time, if I get to X amount, if I get to, you know, $70,000, then I feel like that's really good. I'm set. I, that's yeah. all I need. But when you reach these milestones in your life, you can always, you always want more, right? Like there's never, yeah. uh, there's never a point in, in our, our everyday, at least in America, I feel like we always want more. We always want the higher paying job. Um, I feel like there are some people that are truly happy and they can live at this at a certain stage, but you always want more. You know what I mean? Yeah. At, least, yes. at least I do. <laughs> yes. And I think if you kind of reach that milestone that you kind of set for yourself, you kind of end up in this emptiness as well, where it's like before that, I actually knew what I was doing because I had that goal. And right now, you know, that I achieved it kind of what's next to me, you know, I think it's not that easy to answer as well. Do you see society as as the same as where you live as here in America? 
and, and uh, absolutely like, not, not yeah like what are some of the differences um some of the differences um well the first one that comes to mind is kind of that to, to other people um which is i guess it's both kind of both better and worse in both of the countries if that makes sense um so what i had people say is that you know people in the west are kind of more nice than kind and people here kind of you know i'm from central europe poland um so i would say people here are much kinder but they're not nice so you know they will kind of scream at you in the street but they will help you whereas people kind of in the west you know they will be very nice to you but if you have a problem then you know they will basically wish you luck right and not get involved yeah. so i mean that's one of the yeah that's a real interesting take i have never heard that before mm. nice and kind really? yeah no, that's yeah. a really good uh example because i can think of just how many people we pass on the side of the road here in america if someone has a flat tire mm -hmm. no one's stopping for that person and helping them on the side of the road they're just like you mm -hmm. pass them and you're just like oh man that's yeah. that person right <laughs> yes it's That's exactly hard. that. It's exactly that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I bet there is a lot of people who are going to kind of stop and tell you, oh my God, you so, you know, had a bad luck, wish you luck, you know, and kind of drive off. Mm. Yeah. When you transitioned into the uh, carnivore diet, what were some of the first things that you were eating? Um, so at the beginning, because I was on keto before actually, and this is quite interesting because there is a lot of people who, you know, they're ill. And they kind of quit processed foods and they quit, you know, uh, like sugar. Sometimes they go on keto and it helps. And for me, like later on, because I actually tried it again and it did absolutely nothing. And it wasn't until I went on beef only that I started seeing any kind of uh, improvements. And um, so after a month, I reintroduced vegetables, um, but I stuck to just beef. And so I could just eat beef and the vegetables. And uh, also they were kind of dropping off all the time because they had too much sugar for me. So even like red bell pepper or like tomatoes or something, I couldn't do that because there was too much sugar in it. Um, and after seven months, I'm not really sure what happened, but, you know, I was eating vegetables like I normally was and um, I couldn't do it anymore because I started getting headaches because of them. So I just uh, kind of went down to just beef, but beef was the only meat or fish uh, from the beginning that I could tolerate. Mm. When you were on keto, were you strict keto protein and, and um, you know, low carb or were you doing processed keto? Like were, were you kind of getting dirty keto, I guess? Uh -huh, yeah. So I went on kind of low carb, I would say, like before I went on the contraceptive pill. So I did that and I wouldn't say I was very strict. Honestly, I ate like fish, a lot of fish. I ate vegetables. I, I didn't even understand how kind of the whole thing worked. I just knew that carbohydrates gave me headaches and not carbohydrates didn't. So I just kind of did that. But I was completely unaware of, you know, the connection with the gut and kind of that it isn't really about sugar. It's also about food just being processed and things like that. And I, I didn't know that. So I did that. I did a lot of protein shakes, which honestly, right now I wouldn't touch. So, yeah. You said the effects were pretty immediate. What did you see? Was it just like you didn't get any headaches after eating? What were some of the things that you, you noticed right off the bat? Yeah. So the pain just started going away. So that was the one thing. 
And then it took a couple of months, but I did have some other problems. So I had some levels of depression, which I wouldn't say was too bad at that point, but it, it was there. And at some point it just went away, like after seven months. I don't know why. I had much more energy as well. And I had some cardiovascular problems. I had I had a lot of panic attacks, actually, so which I think were caused by the drugs. I mean, right now I know they were caused by the drugs. So it would happen like three times a day out of nowhere. Um, like I wouldn't be thinking about anything that would just happen. Um, and yeah, obviously that was gone. And what else? Um, yeah, and I had heart palpitations and I had high blood pressure, uh, which caused uh, some, they were very small, but it did cause some kind of damage to my brain, actually. Um, so all of that was gone. And since then, even though I went through just so much more with my brain and with neurological diseases and conditions, I've had no other changes in my brain, which is incredible. What? What do you mean when you're talking about these neurological conditions? Like what kind of what kind of things? Mm -hmm, sure. So um, like I said, my journey kind of wasn't linear, linear, right? So at the beginning, it ended up with chronic migraines and them kind of uh, basically well, stopping, right? Um, but then because I didn't stop the drugs, I still had the side effects of the drugs, which I didn't know were side effects of the drugs because the doctors were telling me, you know, oh, you just have migraines and this is typical for migraines. So, you know, they were kind of associating it with the disease and not with the drug. And I find it is very easy to confuse. And a lot of people do that, you know, when they're on medication that is for a specific illness. And it's very easy to kind of tell them, oh, you know what, it's your illness. It's not the drug when it's actually the drug. So this is what happened to me. And um, I was on those medications and I was speaking with this doctor um, and she decided to change the drugs. So the drugs are called CGRP monoclonal antibodies. And the first one was Amovig. And she decided to change it for me. And I asked her, I really asked her kind of in detail, could you please read what can happen if I switch from one drug to another? And she, she told me that she read it. And she told me there is no danger. Nothing is going to happen. My body isn't going to feel it even. And so I had it's an injection. So I had one injection and it takes around like seven days or like a couple of days for it for your body to kind of feel it. Um, so I had it. And after four days, I was well, I woke up because I had suicidal thoughts mm. and I wanted to hurt myself really badly. And I was at my parents house back then. So I just called my mother and I was like, please come over. My blood pressure also increased. I had this nerve pain kind of in my trigeminal nerve, so nerve pain in my eye, which was really strong. And I had muscle spasms as well. So like my whole body just started kind of getting out of whack. And um, I didn't know what was going on. And then I kind of calmed down. Um, and then, you know, I thought it was going to go away. But I actually, after that one injection, I ended up spending 10 months in beds, completely disabled. Mm. So, uh, yeah, so this is what happened. And uh, I was never diagnosed uh, because I went back to that neurologist. I'm not sure kind of what was at play, you know, and I was speaking to her because she she used to kind of want to be helpful. But when that happened, she kind of really... Maybe she got scared, you know, maybe she felt responsible. To be honest, I'm not sure what was happening, but she just immediately 
you know, disregarded everything that I was saying and she just sent me to a psychiatrist. Um, so, so this is all that happened. And, you know, then I went back because I was in Poland, but I still had a job in London. I went back to London. I worked. I mean, honestly, I tried, but, um, you know, I was in so much pain. I had like this nerve pain and my main problem was extreme light sensitivity. I couldn't stand lights at all. I was basically blindfolded 90% of the time. Mm. Uh, so, so that's what happened. And then after a couple of months and I took zero medication, uh, afterwards I mean kind of obviously but also it's not that great because I didn't know what I was kind of suffering from uh, so I took zero medications and after a couple of months I read this article about they called it inflammatory complications of those drugs that I was on and it turns out it actually happened to a couple of other people as well and the illness that I had sounded like Suzak syndrome which can actually be deadly and it can lead to a kind of blindness and deafness in people who suffer from it. And I basically had, basically had all of the symptoms of it. And they prescribed for it uh, steroids, which I was never on. Uh, so honestly, I have absolutely no idea how I survived it without medication. But I do kind of, you know, associate it with the diet. That's crazy. How, how many medications were you on at one point at the same time? Um, honestly, I don't think it was that many. It was mostly painkillers mm. that they were prescribing to me. And then it was one each. So one each medication for migraine plus the painkillers. And none of them worked. So I was kind of, you know, dropping them after three months or something because none of them worked. So What, what kind of painkillers were they giving you? Uh, well, so honestly, I was, rea I mean, I, I reacted well to everything. So I mean, well, well, they, they kind of worked. Um, so I was on ibuprofen, I was on paracetamol, they gave me triptans, a lot of triptans, they gave me codeine, but that didn't really, honestly, that wasn't for me. And they gave me something called coffee corn. This is not a, the main name of the substance, substance, I don't remember it. But that was awful. I remember that it was just knocking me out completely. And that was in the end of me kind of struggling with pain. And yeah, I think that was it. And then when I was in the hospital, they would give me also just the normal ometamizole. This is uh, actually banned in the US, but in Poland it's legal. So they would give me kind of drips with that, but like six times the dose. Wow. in the hospital plus because my brain actually it was in so much pain that it would get swollen um and i think that's why my pain wouldn't go away so they gave me steroids for that and also like eight times the dose that i actually needed so yeah, yeah. that's scary that's so much going on um that's hard to like i can i can't imagine the thoughts that were going in your brain it's hard to pinpoint what the hell is going on with you Yes, it, it was scary. And the, the really scary thing was that when you go to the hospital and you say to the doctor, you know, what's wrong with you, that you're in pain and things like that. Um, and you're in this room and suddenly they just, you know, they just kind of nod, they disappear. And then the drugs appear and they don't even tell you what they give you. Mm. And the doctor, the doctor is nowhere to be found, So you can't even ask. Have you seen that documentary Painkiller? No. On Netflix. It's about No, what is that about? It's about the um the family that created um oh, I forget the name of the drug. Hold on, let me look it up. Cause I don't want to okay. get it wrong. 
uh, painkiller. It's about the family. Let's see. That so it's a a family. It's called the sac the sacular family. Um, painkiller drug. What was it? Oxycontin. I don't know why I forgot that. Oh, that's, yes, yes. So, okay. Did you take any of that? Did they prescribe, no. prescribe you that? No, okay. luckily, no. So that's the addictive ones. I was never on the addictive ones. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if lucky for me or not, but yeah, I never took them. I don't think they work for migraines, to be honest, because codeine is kind of from that group and it didn't work for me. No, it's a wild story and it's it's mind boggling to see how many people got addicted to Oxycontin. Were you scared that you were going to get addicted to any of these drugs? um yeah everybody was actually telling me that i would get addicted but that never happened honestly i mean looking back i think addiction could have been easier to deal with i'm trying to you know kind of really <laughs> you know think about it carefully but i do think that it might actually be easier to deal with than everything that i went through and all of the illnesses later on at what so at what age did you start getting uh these pains from dieting like or or from the foods that you were eating was there a particular age when it started or has it been all your yeah. life so i mean i started getting so actually that's quite curious because i started getting um stomach aches when i was seven years old mm -hmm. and then i started getting migraines when i was eight uh, but of course like nobody noticed you know there might be some sort of link there and nobody kind of linked it with the gut uh so until i was around like 23, four, I had no idea. And uh, I think when I was 16, I started kind of being sensitive to oranges. So that was out. Um, then when I was like 20, I started being sensitive to sugar. Um, so then that was out. And then it was, I remember coffee, tea, wine, beer, and they were just kind of going out one at a time until there was a point where I no longer knew what kind of food was triggering me and which one wasn't. And it turned out that, you know, it's because all of them were, except mm. the beef. So have you tried, have you tried to incorporate anything um, recently other than, than meat into your diet? I did. I did actually, because, you know, it's not fun being on this diet. So <laughs> I'm really not doing this kind of at a whim. But um, yeah, I tried sardines recently. So I tried avocado first. I tried like a half a teaspoon of avocado because some people say fruit is better than vegetables for whatever reason. And it contains less harmful substances. So I tried that and I immediately got a headache. So I was like, okay, not avocado. And then I tried sardines and it does seem like I can actually tolerate. I can, I'm still kind of experimenting because sometimes, you know, the sensitivities kind of come up after a couple of weeks. But for now, it seems okay. Like mm. nothing is happening. Yeah. Do you think that your mind is playing tricks on you now? Like you're thinking, like even if you venture off and you have, I don't know, an apple or, or an avocado, do you think that you're thinking about it so much that you can, I guess, shift your body into having a migraine? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually, you know, there is a lot of people who kind of tell you about this. A lot of people who, if you tell them you're ill, this is the first thing that comes to mind, right? Oh, it's in your head, things like that. 
And to some degree, you know, it might be true, but um, I decided to go down that road and I went down that road to the bottom. So I went to therapy, you know, I'm doing meditation every single day. I went for hypnosis sessions as well, because they're supposed to help you with like your vagus nerve and things. I think it's all related. So I went that way to the bottom and also um, all of the symptoms that I had throughout my life that were kind of unexplained and people were telling me, oh, you know, it's in your head. Um, in the end, none of them was. Mm. So I actually don't think, you know, when a new symptom kind of appears, I never assume that it's in my head. And, you know, I always kind of consider that as an option, but it's always kind of if I rule out everything else, okay, then I'm considering my brain. But it has never been the case in my life uh, that I was kind of, you know, experiencing any symptoms because of my mental health. It has never happened. Well, at least not that I know of. When I when I get stressed, um, I battled anxiety and I don't know why I didn't believe mm -hmm. in anxiety. I thought I was um, okay. it started like manifesting as I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. And I, I thought I was having heart palpitations, but I think it was just my brain tricking. So I went to every doctor, like I got an EKG, I wore a monitor for a weekend and I legit thought that I was about to have a heart attack. Well, my anxiety like transformed into having uh, twitches all over my body. So I, okay. I would have twitches on my arm, like my shoulder. And uh -huh. then, you know, you start Googling and the first thing that comes up is ALS. Um, Okay. So I convinced myself that I was going to have ALS, that I was about to be diagnosed, that I was going to lose yeah. the mobility of my body and I was just going to succumb to ALS. And then it started twitching all over my body. Um, uh -huh. But I, I, it's not a hundred percent better. I'm not like cured, but like okay. you, I know that if, uh, if I eat clean, if I'm exercising right and all those good things, then I, I don't have those severe reactions and those, um, those inflammation points. And I, I don't twitch nearly as much, but, um, mm -hmm. it's pretty wild. I, I can put myself into the state of almost having a panic attack by myself. Uh -huh. You know what I mean? Like you were saying, yeah. it come, like at first yes. it came out of nowhere, but I can almost convince myself that I'm, I'm that, that I'm having anxiety and I'm, and, and I can work myself up into almost having a panic attack. Okay, well, that's right. Do you mean by twitching? Do you mean like muscle spasms, kind of? Yeah, like muscle. Because I had exactly that. Did you actually. really? That's, yes, I had muscle spasms, and then after muscle spasms, the panic attacks, and then migraines. Well, it really sounds similar yeah. to what I was going through. Yeah. yeah so mine started. Um, me and my my buddy uh, did a podcast with his cousin, and his cousin uh, was just diagnosed with ALS. Okay. Yeah. And he was in a wheelchair and we did that podcast. And then I started following a bunch of, we were helping him raise money to buy him a wheelchair and to get him the, yeah. all the right necessities at the house. And when we did that podcast, I got followed by a, 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 a few people that had ALS. So my Instagram feed was a lot of people with ALS. Okay. Then one, one morning, I remember this because we were out of town, we were on vacation and one morning I watched the story of this one guy, he, he played pro football and he was, 
he was a good athlete and he was diagnosed with ALS. One of the first symptoms that he noticed was twitching. Okay. Yeah. And that planted a seed in my brain somehow. And literally the next day I started getting twitches in my shoulder. So oh. this was like a week after I talked to, you know, my friend's cousin who was diagnosed with ALS a week had passed. I had all the stuff in my head. And then I watched that video and he said twitching. And he said, I was getting twitches on my arm, on my arm. And I got them in the same place that this guy said he got them. And it freaked me out. And it just, I, I pro it was so dark. I legitimately thought that I, I was like going to die, that I, this was ALS. And then it went uh -huh. from, I, I told myself, I was like, well, as long as it doesn't go from, uh, as long as it stays in my arm, I, I'm probably okay. This is probably okay. anxiety, right? And then no shit, like the next day it went to my, my next arm and then it went to my legs and then it was my calves. And it was like little, almost like popcorn in my body. I don't know if that was the same twitches as you got. Is it the same? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I got, I call them muscle spasms, but yeah, I got them in my whole body. So <laughs> definitely, yeah, my lip was kind of twitching at some point. Yes. Yeah. My eye, it went, it got to the point where my eye was like twitching my eyelid. Yeah. It was freaky, but I... I'm able to control it a lot better now as if I don't drink like these like crappy drinks. Um, oh, yeah. If I don't drink bad drinks, if I don't drink a lot of coffee and if I exercise every day, then I'm able to control it a, a lot better. Mm -hmm. But yeah, okay, I, so, go ahead. So that's curious because what I was doing for it was magnesium and like just crazy doses of magnesium. And that seemed <laughs> to help me. And I still do it. Yeah. Do you uh, did you take those those trace minerals, the blue bottle, uh, the blue bottle? It's called trace minerals. No, I think that's a U.S. thing. Okay. So no, I, at the beginning I took uh, supplements, but then I they started giving me headaches, uh, so I couldn't take them anymore. So then I was actually after the injection that I had of the drug that I told you kind of made me disabled. Um, I was supplementing magnesium in like lotions and creams that I was making myself, like sixteen times a day, and also having two long magnesium baths in epsom salt and magnesium chloride as well wow so and that was that was the only thing because i couldn't even walk my muscle spasm was so bad so bad i couldn't walk that's so intense <sighs> so i i did the same i i researched and i was like how do i stop these twists yeah. these twitches or spasms and it said that you're probably low on on electrolytes so magnesium yeah. potassium all those things so there's these little this uh this one company in the us that has trace mineral mineral drops and you put them in your water well mm -hmm. I, and they're expensive like they're the pure purest form of electrolytes that you can get supposedly and it's expensive it's like for an eight ounce bottle it's like i don't know like mm -hmm. four bucks and you're only supposed to put like three drops in your in your oh, eight yeah. ounce water and i was just like dousing <laughs> i probably yeah. dosed on electrolytes for about a week there because i was trying to stop them i was trying to do anything mm -hmm. everything to stop them i i, mm -hmm. I reached a point though I realized that caffeine had a lot to do with it. I was drinking a lot of caffeine at that time. Yeah, because so. I think it does rinse out magnesium. So yeah. So what are your favorite foods to be eating now while you're on the carnivore diet? Favorite foods? Um, I really eat a lot of fat. So everything that is kind of more fat is just so much easier for me. I really don't like the dry meats and mm -hmm. the ones that are lean. So mostly I would say ribeyes and lamb chops. Um, things like that yeah <laughs> honestly what? i don't think there is many more how many times a day do you eat uh, around three yeah i do struggle with eating i've been struggling with eating re recently and i think 
Um, so we haven't actually covered this, uh, but, uh, you know, I developed that illness that was called, I think it was Suzak. I'm not sure I was never properly diagnosed. And then I was improving and then I stopped improving. And then, uh, well, long story short, I was diagnosed with SERS, uh, which is chronic inflammatory response syndrome. So it's a biotoxin illness. It's associated with mold, but you react to many different bacterias and endotoxins and things like that. Um, so I have that now. And uh, I think I was exposed to something recently, which I don't know, for whatever reason, in influenced my body in a way that I just struggle with food. Mm. Um, and so I lost some weight recently. And I just I don't know, I struggle with swallowing. So recently, it's been challenging. And it came also with some kind of low moods, um, and low energy. Mm. Uh, but yeah, my doctor says, I think it's because of some bacteria. So right now, I'm kind of dealing with that and should go away. Hopefully. Yeah. Man, that's so, tough. Yeah. Um, what does your family think about you being on like only eating meat? Is it pretty wild for them? Um, yeah, so this is an interesting question actually, because my family have been um well, not all of them, but I was I would say heavily criticized for the past three years, you know, when being on the diet. And I, you know, I knew there wasn't another option. So I knew that I wasn't going to stop it because everything else I ate just gave me pain. And, you know, there is no way that I would eat something that that would give me pain. Um, my family, to some degree, thought that my problems were actually a result of the diet and not kind of of the medications and things like that. They didn't think it was helping me. But actually, after three years of sticking to it, and my parents also ga uh, gaining more kind of awareness of what's going on, of the dieting world, also me getting diagnosed with SARS, um, you, you know, they kind of, they admit that I was right, right now, which is incredible. Because, you know, if you're going kind of through that, and, you know, you get a lot of resistance, you get, you know, people can give you kind of support from, and resistance. I mostly got resistance from the people around me. So it's quite incredible when people who are so resistant actually start supporting you. It's uh, and you never think that's going to happen. Have you seen a shift in the way they started eating because of the things that you do? Yeah, it happens a lot actually, uh, and I don't even push them. Kind of, you know. Sometimes if I see somebody is interested interested in improving the, their health that I would, uh, you know, give them a book, for example, and like, oh, you know, have you heard of paleo? Maybe, maybe you're going to be interested, you know, read about it. But um, I never kind of try to push my diet on anybody else, because a lot of people try to do it with me. So I just don't want to do it to anybody else. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, and my uh, dad actually decided to go on keto himself. Um, so he uh, was able to kind of, um uh, to stop taking his blood pressure medication just by going on keto. And then my mom went on paleo and they're not very strict, I guess, but they kind of follow it. My, my mom went, went on it because also somebody else in her family was ill and, you know, so she decided to do that, but I do kind of see that shift um, kind of with people around me, um, which, which is good, I guess it doesn't really happen with my friends, but with my family, it did. Well, that's good. Uh, you're positively influenced in your family and you know, I guess your support system. I'm not as strong as you are. I'm definitely, um, 
uh, a pusher. <laughs> like if I, if I learn, okay. if I learn something and I, I don't mean it to be like arrogant or, um, mean or anything about it, but if I learn something that helps me, or if I've talked to somebody that they've told me this has helped them or whatever, it doesn't even have to be about food. It can be about anything okay. like a new workout or something. I, I get really excited about it and I want to share that with everybody and it could be, yeah. and it can come off as pushy. So mm -hmm. I, I think I've gotten a lot better recently over the last couple of yeah. months, just by continually to tell myself, like, no one cares about your diet, John, no one cares about the way you eat. Just don't just let people, um, I guess live. And, then and if what, it, go ahead. And what is it that you eat? Mostly I would, I, I don't even like putting a label on it cause I don't like the labels, but I would call mm -hmm. it an animal based diet. Okay. Um, I, I, I eat some vegetables every now and then. Um, but mostly I eat eggs and steak. Um, I eat liver, bone marrow, and that's pretty much it. Um, I'll have ground beef every now and then. Uh, it, uh -huh. if, if it was just me, if I was living alone, I would have ground beef and steak every day, but I have a family. Um, and, uh, you know, they like the green beans and chicken and all that stuff. So we try to buy locally from farms and stuff like that. And I try to, you know, influence my family as much as possible, but yeah, you know, with kids, it's hard. It's tough to do that stuff. My kids don't want to eat liver. They'll try it every now and then, but you know, mm -hmm. occasionally we'll do the Chick-fil-A or, you know, pizza night or whatever like that. So yeah, it's pretty mm -hmm. flexible. It's pretty flexible. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, you know, what you described at the beginning sounds pretty good to me. So, yeah, no, I like it. I could totally just live off of, you know, steak and ground beef and ground beef. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm fine with eating the same thing over and over every day. I could do that. I'm just routine. You don't have to think about it. You can make like three steaks one day and have three steaks to eat basically the next three days. It's just easy. But a lot of people yeah. don't, they, they don't like the routineness. You know, my wife doesn't yeah. really do well with routine. She likes something different every now and then. So yeah. is that, is yeah. it, is that what you experience too? Is, is it just get boring eating the same thing every <laughs> single day? <laughs> I mean, yeah, if you go down to just beef, I mean, you kind of, yeah, it does happen. But oh. to be honest, I was really happy when I was on beef and vegetables. I was fine. Like I didn't need anything else. So <laughs> yeah. What what about drinks? What do you drink? Um, no, just water. You don't do coffee or anything? No, I can't. You can't yeah, do coffee? How no, do you, not even like tea. <laughs> how do you live without coffee? I know. That's gotta be tough. I know. Is I know. uh is coffee a big thing in, in your area like it is in the US? Uh, it is kind of a big thing everywhere, I think. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, like right now, October is coming up. So it's like the pumpkin spice season. Oh, that's yeah. I mean, yeah. When I think coffee, I don't even think about that. <laughs> like, yeah. Everybody drinks coffee here. Yeah. And everybody uh, invites me for coffee. And then I'm like, well, okay, I'm going to have some sparkling water. So, yeah. How are your interactions with your friends when you're out and about? Um, it has been challenging, really. And it has been challenging for two reasons. So one of them is the diet. And there is this kind of pull to veganism right now, you know, so, um, well, that did, did, I guess, cause some friction, but, um, 
yeah also my light sensitivity doesn't make it easy kind of on people who want to hang out with me because I'm still quite sensitive to kind of fake lights even though like the regular like sunlight is okay with me um but also yeah I feel that the diet influenced my worldview as well Mm. and I think that is the thing that challenged most of my relationships with friends and family Mm. how important it is um the way you source your food do you try to buy like locally or you know pasture raised food how do you go about um, getting your food honestly anything i can tolerate is yeah. good so if it's fat and i can tolerate it i get it um and mostly it is actually regenerative kind of farming so i do buy well i contact the suppliers directly um, and I buy something like 20, 30 kilograms of, of those things. So, you know, they just send it directly to me and it's at a lower price. But I wouldn't say it comes from the fact that I want my meat to be kind of, you know, sourced from a good place. It's just that that meat that I get tastes better. Mm. And it is, it is also kind of of better quality. And I can't get like supermarket meat. I'm really not good with it. And it doesn't taste good. So, yeah, supermarket meat. Um looks totally different than the meat that you get from a local farmer. Totally different. Tastes different, feels different, smells yeah. different, everything. Yeah. I, I honestly, I don't understand what the thing is, but it is true. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you exercise? Do you put a lot of, I mean, do you do cold showers and, and saunas and stuff like that? Mm, I did that. Uh, but because of like SARS and stuff, I had to stop. My muscles aren't doing very well at the at this moment and also i get like muscle spasms because of those medications for whatever reason yeah. so right now every single day i go out and i do light exercises uh so, so every day i go to the park i stretch um i do some exercises or resistance training for my muscles but not a lot of it but like all the muscles kind of legs abs and arms um and i finish off with meditation every single day so that's my routine and then I kind of go back home and I try not to wear you know a lot when I'm going out so that I can actually get some tan um and yeah the sun as well well that's cool so what what is your hopes um you know I, I've noticed that you've uh you've posted a lot more on social media is your is your hope to grow your platform and do something in content creation or what do you want to do mm -hmm. Um, so actually, the reason why I decided to kind of um, speak about this on social media was because I don't know a lot of people who go through the same thing. So it felt quite lonely. And for that reason, you know, if you looked at my Instagram, you would absolutely have no idea what I'm actually going through. So that was the thing that kind of made me decide on that. And it does seem to work. So, you know, some people kind of reposted what I've been through, a lot of people followed me, some people reached out to me, um, and they have similar experiences. So it's great to have that network. So this was kind of my plan. And, you know, in terms of the future and growing my platform, um, honestly, I, I have no idea. I don't think I planned it for now. For now, I just plan to, you know, say kind of what happened, tell the truth. And I also waited for, um, you know, until I fully recover. Um, to kind of tell my story and then I kind of got my third autoimmune illness and I was just like okay you know what I think I'm just gonna start now mm -hmm. and people can kind of join me on that journey um, yeah so so this is what I'm doing right now 
Yeah. Well, your content is, is, is amazing and it's very relatable. And I think it's, um, I think it's special because it's not in the carnivore world. There's a lot of, there's a lot of guys. It's very male heavily dominated world. There's a few, you know, girls that are up and coming, but I think it's, I think it's good that there's more women out there talking about, um, not just only carnivore diet, but clean eating in general and sharing their stories because it helps with people that are struggling with similar issues. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do agree. And I do see that there's much more men doing this diet. I think there is much more men that would kind of decide on it if they don't health, uh, don't, don't have health issues. So that's kind of why. Yeah. Well, Carolina, I appreciate your time today. Um, how can people follow you and get in touch with you? Um, sure. So on my Instagram, it's carol.r. So it's K-A-R-O-A. Uh, and that's on Instagram and TikTok. And I think that's the best way to get in touch. Okay, awesome. Well, I had a, a pleasure speaking with you and I'll let you know when this comes out. I'll hit you up on, uh, I think we were talking on Instagram, right? Yeah. Yes. We're talking on, on IG. So I'll, I'll let you know and I'll tag you and I'll try not to uh, spam you too much with the, with the videos. <laughs> <laughs> okay, perfect. Yeah, thank you. Thank well, you thank for you. having me. Yeah, have a blessed day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. Yes.